start this morning with a prayer courtesy of the Northern California chapter of the Union of Black Episcopalians. Almighty God, you rescued your people from slavery in Egypt, and throughout the ages you have never failed to hear the cries of the captives. We remember before you our sisters and brothers in Galveston, who on this day received the glad tidings of their emancipation. Forgive us for the many grave sins that delayed that liberating word. Anoint us with your spirit to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to, the, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of your favor through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So a few things to notice today, and I'll try to just um, focus on one, uh, mainly our lesson today, the gospel. Uh, but I do want you, before I start, to, to start seeing how everything is changing in our liturgical calendar. We are transitioning into ordinary time in the Episcopal Church. And so I invite you to kind of uh, ask questions about what the colors mean and what that means in, in the church and what they stand for. Um, and I'd love to have a, a conversation about it, but want us to be aware, just in case you're new to the church or you're um, new to visiting Trinity, that you are uh, kind of aware of what's happening and going on. So today is Juneteenth. Commemor it commemorates African American freedom. And this is a vital commemoration of ending slavery in the United States, and most importantly, in our own backyard. What an important holiday. I don't know about you, but I didn't really grow up celebrating. And honestly, I did not educate myself enough until recently. So I hope that's not the case for, some, for all of you here. And I hope that it's not your first time hearing about it. It is not the end of slavery that we remember because it officially ended, we know, on January 1st, 1863, but rather when the Union soldiers finally brought the news to Galveston, Texas, on June 19, 1865, two whole years later. And this got me thinking about how this relates kind of to our gospel. In our gospel lesson, we see Luke's author presents us with the story about Jesus getting off the boat, encountering a man described, described as demon-possessed. Jesus is visiting the country of Gerasenes, a Gentile region across the Sea of Galilee. And as soon as he stepped out on the land, he was met by this naked man, a man who didn't have a house and who lived based on what we read today in the cemetery. The story that's, that is also found in Matthew and Luke and Mark speaks of the demons. And before we move, I would like for us to notice some of the differences and to perhaps on your own, I'd like for you to also explore why the authors of these Gospels would have chosen to do this. Matthew's version is the shortest, and in my opinion, I feel as Mark went into more detail with this story. Yet in all three versions, the lesions leave the man. And all of these, and all three, the people of the region are asking Jesus to leave. So we're going to look at three characters in this story. The demons who have this man captive. The man who we know has no, no longer has a voice, has no clothes, and has no home. 
And this man is freed by Jesus and wants to go tell others the good news about what's happened. I'm healed. I mean, I think most of us want to do that, right? When, when something good happens to us, we want to, we want to let other people know, right? Uh, I remember when, you know, my mom uh, had cancer and, and she, the, the, that, that first part of being diagnosed and, and, and doing radiation and the whole, the blur, right? It's kind of a blur of like what's happening, if you've experienced it or if you know someone. And, um, and, and maybe sometimes you're like, yes, I want to be prayed for, but I'm not ready to share. And, but once you're, you hear the word remission or you hear the words healed or, 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 or those good news, you're ready to share for the most part, right? We're ready to just, and, and this man here is naked. And, and now, as we see in the story, sitting now, clothed, right? And wants to go out and talk about this. He wants just everyone to be aware. And in Mark and Luke, the author mentioned, so we have the demons, the man, and now the people. And in all three, or all two actually, the people were afraid. And we kind of, we were able to assume the same um, for Matthew. In Matthew, it says that they pleaded with Jesus. And so, but it doesn't go a little more into how they're feeling or any, any, anything um, in regards to that. But we can make that assumption. And so it makes me start wondering, what are these people afraid? Why are they afraid of Jesus? I think fear does this sometimes. When we're afraid, we kind of shut down sometimes, or, or we, we're paralyzed by it sometimes. I, at least I and Mike, I know I am. I feel afraid and don't know what to do. I feel boxed in sometimes. And the authors let us know that this demon-possessed man had been, a, had been this way for a while. It wasn't just like a day or two. It's, you know, for many times, the unclean spirit has seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. And so all these questions start like coming up, right? Who kept him under guard? How many times? And... And, and, and it becomes important because you start wondering what were the people doing in this community to support this man or to help this man. Or maybe they had given up already. They had said, you know what, I tried everything. I prayed for this man and there's nothing I can do anymore, right? Which is also important for us to recognize our limits sometimes. And perhaps the people were afraid about what Jesus was doing because he came to heal, came to disrupt, doing something that only possible by Jesus. Or maybe they were afraid of the change. They just couldn't believe that this man was now free of the demons, right? Maybe they were just not ready for what Jesus was coming to, to do in this community. I don't, I'm not sure that they wanted Jesus to leave because he had healed the man. I don't think it had to do with that, but rather maybe they were afraid of what happened after this healing, right? What does this mean for this community now? This Gentile community. Maybe they had gotten so used to the demons residing in this man. Maybe, like I said, get, they gave up hope and they just accepted this. Maybe even able to ignore him away in the cemetery, which I think I, 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 um, I think I relate to that. You know, when sometimes something's not pretty or good, you know, sometimes you just kind of like look to the side or look the other way and. And, you know, maybe it's a, you consider it a, a, just move away from it and don't look that way, right? 
And so I wonder if this caused a disruption for them. And then it comes back, right, to this remembering today, Juneteenth, and I, and I, and I wonder if that also happened and caused this delay of two years for those enslaved people who waited an additional two years to be freed. And we are not sure what caused the delay. There's different versions about this. But I can imagine that many benefited from this and not the enslaved people. It could have been an honest mistake, but it could have also been that that people were profiting from this free labor. And change is hard, especially when it's not benefiting you or when we're comfortable where we are or when we're afraid. And this week, yet again, for what seems like weeks in a row, we wake up with heavy hearts remembering our neighbors in Vesavia Hills, Alabama at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, where three longtime members are missing church today. These three people lost their lives in what should have been a joyful gathering on Thursday evening. And all of these things, as we remember today, kind of come up to me in speaking through the gospel of, of are we afraid? Are we, I can identify with the people, uh, not necessarily the, you know, we can look at the different characters in the story, but today I want us to focus on the people. Why, why did they ask Jesus to leave? And I, and I start to wonder, why do we continue to allow this to happen? And it makes it a little harder to preach every Sunday, every week, week after week. And so I have to be completely transparent and honest about that. My classmate, the Reverend Dr. Rebecca Bridges, we went to Seminary of the Southwest together. She is actually the Associate Rector for Formation and Outreach at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Alabama. And she wrote, and I want to end with this to stir up in our hearts to to ask ourselves if if we are the people asking Jesus to leave, is it out of fear? Is it that, that we do the same with current issues when we think about gun violence in our country? Our hearts are surely broken, but in this suffering, our hearts are also broken open. The healing, saving love of Christ wells up inside each one of us seeping through the cracks of our brokenness and suffering to refresh this dry land in need of this living water. May our minds and actions also be sources of healing today. May we together take action when it comes to acting and speaking up for those who most likely don't have a voice, whether it's through Um, immigration reform or common sense gun laws that together we can learn to heal the trauma that is so constant in our lives today and I want to end I was uh, went to a um, a 
lay leadership conference this weekend at Camp Allen, and they had this song um, that the worship group um, was singing, and uh, and I found it in Spanish, and it just resonated a lot because there's these this these words that are just are very meaningful, and and I try to translate it, and fortunately. Fortunately, it's already in English, so it was very helpful. So if you, I really, I love contemporary Christian music. Uh, I, you know, I, I can relate to it, and there's many different genres, and, um, you know, we, those of us that are here, we, we love the jazz service for a specific, uh, specific type of music that we can hear, right? And so this is by Bethel Music, and um, if you have a chance, I invite you to listen to them or not, or just hear the lyrics. I'm going to read them to you, and... Um, it's, it's called Raise a Hallelujah. So it's, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah, I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah, fear you lost your hold on me. So whatever your hallelujah may be, may you be able to raise it in whatever capacity and in whatever context May you be able to also say, I raise a hallelujah. Amen.